I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, friend, colleague, co-owner of all the other things, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 205th episode of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk what we're investing in. We're going to talk about the week that was a lot going on. Tragedy in Turkey. Um, heart goes out to everybody out there. We'll talk about Joe Biden trying to incite a Let's Go Brandon chant. Uh, we'll talk about gold MA. We'll talk private placements. We'll talk about $15 hand washing classes. But before we talk about all of that, Nick, how are you today, sir? Wearing all the hats, Gerardo, as I know you do too. So uh, staying busy. It was a monthly issue week and, uh, you know, uh, deals are sometimes feast or famine. So looking at a couple of new deals, we should talk about private placements as well, by the way, and um, why they're advantageous for certain investors and then how you can potentially, uh, or not potentially, how you can participate in them yourself. Um, other than that, doing good. How are you? Love it. I'm well. Um, allergies are better this week. We're not frozen in. We haven't lost power. Um Things are trending in the right direction. I'm excited by some of the deal flow here recently. And and, and I think, look, we're going to talk gold or we're going to talk gold M&A. But I think before we get into it, I think private placements and deal flow is a great uh, place to start. I know you and I just had a, a couple of discussions earlier this week and earlier today uh, about a few new private deals that we like. Early stage companies with tiny market caps, tiny floats, good solid share structure. Uh, you know, what is a... a a non-traditional resource play that I'll keep to myself because you guys will figure it out if I tell you. And we're working on helping finance that uh, vehicle. And then the other is a uranium play that has got some great leadership, a strong-looking asset, a phenomenal share structure, and I think can trade much higher. So I say all that to say that a large reason of why we did so well last year was how well we did with private placements. And I don't say that to brag. I don't say that to rub that in anyone's face. But, you know, Anytime you have a deal like a Patriot Battery Metals, all you need is one of those every couple of years. And if you put substantial amount of capital in there, you're going to do very, very well. But what gets a Patriot Battery Metals, you know, to go from a 16 cent company to an $18 company or a $17 company? Well, there's many different boxes that you want to check off early on if there's even the potential, right? Even the potential to get to a world-class discovery like the Corvette Lithium District is. And you know, some of those boxes that for me personally, I like to check off is a solid share structure, experience management, gotta have scale. I I, I can't preach this enough. I, I really am being so much more cautious with my dollars and making sure that I'm more aggressive when I invest in projects. But that th those dollars, those aggressive dollars are only going to projects that have scale. You know my favorite copper play for the next two or three years, Nick. I know that's a company that I think in the next month or two, we're also going to finance once again. Um, if you don't have scale, you're limiting your upside. And there's nothing wrong with 200% or 300%. You'll do very well if you continuously pick 2 and 300% winners. But man, you get a 10,000% winner. You're not doing that with a company that doesn't have the potential for large scale. It's hard enough betting on geology. It's hard enough betting on jurisdiction. You're really handicapping yourself if you're not picking companies with the potential for large scale. And so I, I, I just wanted to lead with that and you know, kind of pick, pick your thoughts on what you look at and what you check for when you're writing checks. Because again, we eat our own cooking. Like we, Let's be honest, you and I made you know, a whole heck of a lot more the last couple of years from 
our personal investments than anything else. And that's not to say that the other stuff isn't great and I'm not thankful for it. It's awesome. But it feels good to to win alongside subscribers. And, and, and I am proud of that. I know you are too as well. Yeah, I mean, I look for many of the same things. We were, you know, both mentored by the same individual and being on share structure, um, being on jurisdiction, um, and which is increasingly important uh, <laughs> in the world we live in. Um, you know, just before we started recording this podcast, there was a, a Bloomberg article out talking about how the U.S. was eventually going to sanction uh, Russian uranium, for example. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, important to look where those uh, assets are located uh, as well as how they're structured and then where they fit in the overall trends of things, right? You know, try to invest in things that have the trend going as well, right? Uh, Patriot battery metals, uh, which we've talked about a lot, you know, might not have been successful if uranium wasn't, you know, doubling year over year and up a thousand percent in the past five years, right? Lithium. So you, <laughs> lithium, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. What did I say? Uranium, but that's okay. Uh, well, that too. Um, <laughs> that's going up too, so. I like big yeah. assets too, by the way, Nick. Love big assets, cannot you gotta, lie. You got to make sure you get the, 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 the overall trend right too. So, um, and, and trends come and go, you know, I've had sex, success with, uh, cannabis deals yep. in the past, um, uh, you know, with um, uh, real estate deals, with with deals in in other sectors, tech, technology or biotech or whatever. So, um, yeah, you need to make sure that the the trend is your friend, as they say. And, and if you're getting into deals, that that they fit somewhere within the trends that are going up. Then what I wanted to 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 discuss, and 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 I'll kick it back to you is. Uh, sort of how you get started, right? So, Ugh. and it stepped from a conversation I was having with the the publishing team that we have here, and we were trying to 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 discuss how we wanted to write about private placements and and how you can get people into private placements. And I was saying, well, it's not like someone knocks on your door and says, "Hey, here's this private placement. Like, you should participate." Right? You have to first of all know that they exist, which you know some investors, and in fact, probably the majority of investors, might not be familiar with how that works. Right. Um, and then, and then you have to be accredited, of course, at least for true private placements, um, right? Which means you meet certain definitions, and there's a lot of them. You know, probably fifteen or so different ways you can uh, be an accredited investor, or you know, uh, meet the friends and family exemption, or Whatever it is, right? There's different things, but you know, the the most straightforward way is to make uh, two hundred thousand dollars a year in income by yourself, three hundred thousand dollars with a spouse, um, have a or have a million dollars in in net assets, right? A million dollars net worth, not including your house, um, or you I can think, just check a box. Well, so that's sort of like <laughs> you know, you almost got to tiptoe around that, right? So I was going to ask you, and I'm happy to share my story as well, but like. Well, I, I guess I'll just share mine first, and then and then you can talk about it. So, and it goes like this: like we, I write, we each write a monthly letter. We each write a more speculative letter or yep. a trading letter, and then we have a private placement service. So, you know, if someone's coming in, they they see an ad for your uranium promo or my lithium promo, and they and they sign up for ninety nine bucks, right? How do they how do they get from there to? Um, you know, writing a check into a private placement. And for me, it was just learning over time, right? Um, it, it learning the hard way, in fact, right? Because the, in the junior mining space, you know, one of the things that, that some companies look for and some promotional teams is liquidity, uh, particularly four months after they've done uh, a recent private placement, right? And to take a step back and explain that for a second, you know, some companies aren't mining anything but shareholders' pockets, Right. 
Um, and uh, they they raise capital, they do private placements to fund their salaries, essentially, not to put it in the ground to work, not to make acquisitions, not to increase shareholder and stakeholder value, um, but to keep the lights on and, and to keep the, the gas in there, I, I like to say BMWs or Audis or whatever it is, right, to, to fund their lifestyle. Um, and, and traditionally, those private placements have a four-month hold time. Um, that after which they can sell their shares. And so if they do a raise in, in January, you know, in, in April, they can they can sell their shares four months later. And it's a hell of an April Fool's joke. And I was a newsletter writer, right? That could that could <laughs> tell people to buy stock and uh, was figuring out almost by reverse engineering and then by making <laughs> friends with some smarter people than me, um, that these companies were, you know using me to essentially to create liquidity to sell their private placement shares when the when they became free trading. So yeah. and that's one side of the thing. Um so I started to figure that out. But you know, the average Joe investor I don't think is is gonna figure that out. And then uh, the other part is how do you start doing them, right? So um just by uh, as a function of being a newsletter writer, some Gosh, it's probably been eight or 10 years ago now, you know, I had a, a, a colleague of mine offer me a, a private placement and he was saying, you know, this is a good silver company. Uh, it's still private, by the way, after all these years, but I think it's actually going public this year as quite a good asset. Um, but he's saying, I, I think this is going to be a, a good speculation. You should, and it's a good group of guys I've known for a while, you should participate. And I was, I was thinking to myself, well, I don't even know how to do that, right? So... Uh, I guess I had to rely on my network to say, okay, well, what does that entail? Well, you got to fill out the subscription agreement. So, okay, well, and then what? Um, well, you get the share certificate, either a physical certificate, which still they, they still do exist, um, or a bunch uh, right here. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I just actually FedEx one today. I had one on my desk too. Uh, uh, or you get the, the DRS, the direct registration uh, statement, which is, you know, uh, hosted by some transfer agent, typically computer share, or there's a couple of others of them around. Then you've got to uh, get those shares deposited, uh, get the legend removed, because uh, that's the their exempt securities, they're restricted, um, and a lot goes into that. So, you know, I had, to, I had to learn all that through my network, get the account set up, et cetera. And so anyway, I get a little long-winded, but back to your point, check the box. Yeah, there's... You know, which which one of these reasons makes you eligible to participate, essentially? Do you make this much money? Do you have this much assets? Do you run a trust? Uh, there's a bunch of them. Um, and the onus is essentially on you. I mean, this this isn't a, a list or a document that's checked by third parties. Uh, you see it and the company that you're investing in sees it. And so um, at the risk of getting hauled off to jail, you know, when I was doing my first private placements, I, I was checking the box, right? <laughs> I may or may not have met the requirements for the box that I was checking, but you got to get your foot in the door somehow, right? And so uh, I guess that's my initial story. And then once you've done it a couple of times, um, then it becomes sort of, you know, almost second hat. You just held up a share certificate. I've got a stack of subscription documents on my desk that I got to fill out after this, right? For yep. another deal. And so- um, it is what it is. It's a 50-page document. I know what pages to sign. I know what, what where I have to check. I know that, you know, I know where how how to register shares. The first couple of deals I did, I registered in my broker's name and not in my name, and that's like a no-no. So there's all these different things that you learn um, uh, along the way. And so I've been talking for a while. But anyway, like if you were talking to someone about uh, one of your junior resource monthly readers, for example, how would you explain to them? how and why they should be doing private placements 
I would say this, and I'll share my personal story, and then you know, I'll, I'll, I'll word it, you know, somewhat creatively. But listen, I, I recall my very first private placement, reading through the requirements, right, and going, well, technically speaking, I'm not making the amount of money that's required to do this, but <laughs> I do have enough equity in real estate where if I wanted to, I could. And so that's a long way of explaining to you that sometimes you got to get creative with the technicalities on things. Never do anything illegal. Always consult your attorney. But, you know, there, there are different ways to measure liquidity. And those agreements specify what you can and can't use. And, and so there's multiple ways to kind of get to meeting that threshold. How I would explain it to someone that subscribes to Junior Resource Monthly, which is a monthly service that, you know, charges you know, a couple of hundred bucks a year. Um, and and takes a mid to long term view on uh, megatrends and and in ways to leverage those megatrends in your favor to hopefully make money on you know speculative resource stocks. I would say every public or private company during the course of its life will issue shares in exchange for dollars, right? And so you as the shareholder. If you have the network, if you have the access, if you have the contacts, can reach out to said company and say, I really like the potential here. I understand the risk. I'm willing to sign off on understanding the risk. And this is how much of my risk capital I'm willing to, to, to allocate to help fund the plans for the company that I think has potential. And if you're right and you get that right and the company does well by you, then you not only get the benefit of being able to get favorable treatments on the share price usually, but you also get the bonus of either a half a warrant or a full warrant, which gives you the right but not the obligation to buy another share at a fixed price. Now, let me provide some context on why it's so valuable. When, when we financed Patriot Battery Metals initially in JRI, and you know I wrote a pretty significant check, it not only was a 16 cent financing, it came with a warrant, a full warrant. It gave me the right to buy another share for every share that I bought in the private placement at a fixed price of 25 cents. And that was good for two years, right? And I, I think by the time I exercised those warrants, um, you know, the stock was somewhere in the three or $4 range, right? Um, I have quite a few 75 cent warrants that I, I I should exercise in the next few months because I think the company gets bought out in the next 12. And so I want to get, you know, the time ticking on that. And then it will explain long-term and short-term capital gains here in a second. But um, that, 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 that initial investment in Patriot and that subsequent 34 cent financing with the 75 cent warrant, that warrant has meant, I don't want to say the amount, but it has a life-changing amount for me. And the initial, the return that I've received from my initial just shares of Patriot has been a life-changing amount. But man, you compound that with the, the ability to buy an equal amount of shares at 25 and 75 cents, and you get that fixed price for years, you, 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 you just simply can't find that um, with other risk asset classes, right? You can't buy a bar of gold and, you know, simultaneously get an offer, a lottery ticket in essence to be able to buy another bar of gold in two or three years at the same price or at a fixed price. And so that's something that's really unique with private placements. It provides you a, a, a better shot at, at the speculation working out for you. 
And then, you know, the rest of it is just really, you know, you have to check the boxes. Like, what are you looking for? What's your risk timeline? Are you willing to lose all your money? Um, is the trend your friend? Are you willing to be a contrarian? What does that mean to you? I, I mean, all of these things. So many of my positions, including Patriot, were down 50% at one time. It's a 10,000% gain for me. Not counting the war. You had the war and it's something ridiculous, right? Um, but but at one point, Patriot was down 50% and had a gold property. And we wrote those checks because the company had an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, lithium district that we thought was high potential. And they, they, they decided wisely to pivot into the lithium sector. So um, again, that, that, that's kind of my personal story. That's how I would explain it. You know, we, the check writers, become the funding vehicle for said company to go and execute on its business model. And hopefully if the business model is executed correctly and mother nature and geology um, is, is, is kind to us, then, you know, we not only get the benefit of a higher share price that we can sell whenever we're ready to sell and take profits, but we also get that, that, that luxury. And it really is a luxury of being able to buy another share at a predetermined price for a fixed amount of time. And in the junior resource space, you take, again, a Patriot where lithium was hot. Two years is infinity. Two years is infinity. You make a world, world-class world discovery like the company did, and your 75-cent warrant turns into an $18 share price really, really quickly. People forget this was just December. Uh, this was a year and two months ago that uh, that we wrote that last 34-cent check. And I think it was maybe a year and four months ago that we wrote that 16-cent check. And it seems like another planet ago, right? But it, it hasn't even been the two years. Those warrants are still still good to go. I don't even think it was called Patriot Battery then. I believe it was called Gaia Metals. Gaia Metals. Um, and so you mentioned if the geology cooperates and, you know, we tend to do primarily mining deals. And so we should explain that for a second. We're going to end up doing the whole podcast about private placements, which is okay with me. It's fine. Let's uh, do it. Because um, mining companies, the early stage ones aren't generating cash flows, right? They have to explore. They have to acquire properties. They have to drill, hopefully. Um and then they have to permit, and all of that requires capital, which they don't have because they're not selling anything. So this is um, not primarily, but the mining, the junior mining sector specifically, all these junior mining companies need funding, and so they're all doing private placements. Um, that's not to say other industries don't do private placements, but um, uh, other industries are, are, are different in that they, they could potentially be generating revenue from an, from an early stage. Um and so uh, two things I wanted to ask. Let me see if I can get them both out or maybe not ask, but but discuss. Um, one is uh, there's all sorts of different classes of private deals now, right? So, you know, lots of investors were seeing it, as evidenced by Patriot Battery Metals, how well you can do in a, in a private placement. And then there was also some changes in legislation, right? There was the Jobs Act uh, yep. uh, that allowed crowdfunding deals where you didn't have to be accredited. Um, and then lots of companies started raising money because that way, because you could raise it from anybody. But if you could raise it from anybody, is it really a, a private deal? Is it really a private placement? Or is it just a different way to to, to sell shares? Um, for me, it, it's kind of the latter. And I haven't done too many of those deals. And I've seen some that stay private, right? You can right. raise money privately and then they don't go public. And then there's no way to get your capital out other than to sell your shares to another prospective, you know, private shareholder. Um so that's one thing. I don't know if you want to talk about any of that, but and, and then the other thing was, how early stage do you like to be? I mean, and 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 I'll answer first. I mean, you want to be at as early as possible. Is the <laughs> absolutely easy, is the easy answer, right? 
uh, potentially when they're private ahead of a go public round uh, um, or early stage when they have still a tight share structure or have recently rolled it back and, and have a, a low value low valuation relative to you to what you think they could accomplish based on the plan that they tell you they're going to execute with the capital that you're giving them. Um, and so those are the type of deals that I like to be in. Again, there's lifestyle companies that have been around for, for a decade or, or longer and they're funding themselves all the time, but uh, you end up getting diluted out, right? If you yeah. stick with them for too long, because they are they are fundraising all the time or you end up getting rolled back, right? Where they do a share consolidation and you have many fewer shares than you had uh, before they had to consolidate. So any thoughts on, 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 on that stuff? I think you did a great job outlining the fact that there's a risk to everything, right? And and, and some of those risks are important to highlight. Um, if you're funding a company on the private side of it and they have a plan to go public, look, I have four share certificates of a private company or private companies that were supposed to be public a year and a half or two ago. And either, you know, the commodity price didn't cooperate or the asset that was going to be the qualifying asset to take it public didn't work out. Or simply, they just don't feel it's time to go to market. My capital is stuck in that safe, right? It's stuck in a box, and so that's that's one of the risks. Uh, and, and and you mentioned that, and and that's possible. So it, it's important to always start with your checklist of the risks you're willing to take. And some of those risks include getting your capital tied up. Another risk is, well, it does go public, but the market turns, and now you're not in the right sector, or you're not, you know, riding the right trend because you waited too long, and now you have maybe you know, half of your money's gone or at least half of your money's disappeared for the time being until the company writes that ship, right? That's possible. Um, and then look, sometimes you can have a hot lithium trend. You can have um, great management and sometimes you go look and simply it's not there. And then that happens more often than not. And so I think it all goes back to how we were taught, Nick, the importance of share structure. A good, solid, tight share structure will forgive mistakes and or will forgive the geology not cooperating with you, right? In the case of Patriot, it was Gaia Metals at the time. It wasn't the best share structure, but I knew it was good enough that it could forgive at least one mistake or one miss. And Gaia missed. They had a, the Freeman gold, gold property, property in Idaho. Yeah. That's a good property, by the way. Gold price wasn't cooperating. They drilled. The results were... Eh, man, there weren't anything to write home about. They weren't bad, but they weren't great either. And you can't have not great results if you just raised money and the 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 commodity that 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 you're looking for um, isn't cooperating price wise. I knew that share structure could could uh, could absolve one mistake. And and luckily for us, the company did the smart thing and pivoted to lithium. And the rest is the rest is going to be history by the time it's all said and done, right? If you have a company that you're writing a check for and the share structure is already blown up, in loose hands, not with the right people, you, you're you not going to be able to afford a mistake and mistakes or, or misses, um, whether they're geological, jurisdictional wise, are, are more often the case than not in our space. Sure. And so it's important to know that, right? For one in one, one in 10,000 projects becomes a mine or something like that. Yeah. Some guy wrote that thing like in 2015, I think. <laughs> So yeah, no. Anyhow, look that that, that that's kind of our our, our spiel on uh, on private placements. I would say this: look, I think we're in a very 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 fertile environment for profits this year. I think as great as last year was, this year has has so much to offer as well. And I think you know, I, I think it's going to be more widespread. I mean, you and I financed a lith lithium deal here recently at ten cents, and and we're writing a check at fifty cents now. And the things that hit a buck ten or a buck oh five, this is all within a month and a half, right? 
that's a hot trend. We don't know what this property has yet. I suspect it's going to be really good. I suspect it's going to do real well. I think this company is going to be a 3 to $5 company by year end. I'll tell you the ticker symbol after the financing closes. Um, but but there's also going to be deals, you know, that 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 it's high risk, but it's also higher reward. Again, there's a copper play. And, and you know, I've, I've spoken with management about doing a small round for us. And I, I want to be as aggressive as humanly possible because they control a, an entire base. And I think they're going to be drilling discoveries there for the next five to 10 years at the very least. And so when you have, and this is my last point, when you have that type of scale, bringing it back full circle, you want to bet enough to make it count if you're right. Yes, because it's, point. because it's risky enough allocating capital and missing and missing and missing. The last thing you want is to to, to have a big win percentage-wise, but maybe dollar-wise, it's not significant to you. Because then what's the point, folks? I mean, it's fun to play the game. I'm competitive. I I, I love boxing. I love sports. I, you know, But I, I, I want to win, and I don't want to win in percentage gains. I want those percentage gains to be accompanied by dollar gains. And that for me is something that as I mature as a speculator, as I mature as an investor, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, being very, very, very hyper focused on. And it's why, like with my, my, private, my private placement service, Junior Resource Insider, um, I've, I've gotten really selective in the last few months. You know, I want to I make sure these deals are vetted properly. I want to make sure I'm checking all those boxes and I want to make sure they have the potential for scale and that they allow my subscribers and myself the opportunity for a miss and possibly two misses so that we give ourselves enough time in the right cycle uh, to come back from that and maybe turn a guy of metals into a Patriot battery metals. Yeah, good points. I like it. Let's let's go where we normally go. Um, overall markets, what do you think? Oh, same. I mean, same. Yeah, I mean, okay, not, we'll not keep it changing. simple. Uh, it looks like, you know, we had a couple of down days this week. Uh, yeah, earnings are still rolling out. That's what you asked me last week, what I was looking for. Uh, we're back into negative earnings growth territory. We were positive there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yield curve is more inverted now than it has been ever in, in the in the past, you know. 69 certain... curve. Keep 69 in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost a full percentage point in, in, inverted. I mean, certainly, you know, 85 basis points or something like that. Um, recession is coming. And so, uh, yeah, be cautious out there. Um, gold is looking uh, really good to me. We've, we've yep. mentioned it uh, recently, but, um, you know, you've got the longer term yields pulling back, um, gold consolidating and a bullish consolidation near the 1870, 1875 level, uh, doesn't take much to, to, to send that back up to near record prices, at which point I think you'll get, um, you know, more speculative dollars coming into uh, that sector. Um, I'm actually reading a book. I think you said you read it. It was given to me while we were in Vancouver. The, the I love I love that book. Oh, so you have read it. I, I've had like 100 pages in, and it's so interesting. It's about the Comstock load and how they consolidated it, and it just happened to be around the time that they got telegraph uh, lines installed so they could, it, you know, essentially instantly get information to, to the big city, right, which was San Francisco, and how that created a speculative fervor. I mean, they were doing what we were just talking about for the first 25 minutes of this podcast, right? If they had 100 feet of the trend or 100 feet yep. of the vein or whatever, they were selling it off foot by foot. So each foot was essentially like a share, right? Yeah. Uh, and they created what became like an exchange in, in the town, which is now Virginia City, Nevada. And, you know, they were buying and selling and hustling. You know, there's a, a section in there about uh, how there's the wildcats, which is basically moose pasture, like they yep. weren't on the trend. There was the second class, which... 
it had a pretty good shot of, you know, hitting something that was very close or adjacent to where they were already mining. And then there was the first class of, uh, ones that, you know, went for higher per foot because they had already hit the load either at surface outcropped and um, where they, you know, had driven and added and, and, and hit the things. So um, anyway, um, and then all that speculative capital, capital came in because they could get the word out because of the Pony Express and the telegraphs. Yep. And so I it's, laugh because of how little has changed well, since that's then. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's my, I have the stupid smile on my face. I wasn't that's actually exactly thinking of a childish joke for once. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say because, you know, gold's a little hot. It's up $300 in, in the past couple of months. Crypto not doing as well has proven itself not to be the inflation hedge. And then you get this sort of M&A that's happening, right? Um, you know, you had Agnico and Yamana and Pan American recently. Uh, but, it, but more recently, you had, and I, they saw you put M&A on there, so I guess it was a good segue, you know. You had the largest gold-producing company in the world, Newmont, make a bid for the fifth largest producing uh, gold company, New Crest, out of Australia. $17 uh, billion. Back to my uh, conversation about scale. Scale matters. Exactly. And that starts to, you know, pique people's interests. So, you know, if you can get gold back to 2000, which, you know, seems likely or probable uh, this year, the realm of possibilities, it doesn't take much for... Um, you know, more speculative cash um, to, to come into the sector and drive these stocks uh, significantly higher. And uh, we all this, but Rick Rule does a great job of reminding, and I, I heard him say this at the, at the conference the other week, you know, the average um, capital in the gold space is is 2% of, you know, U.S. assets, the savings and investments. Average 2% over the past four decades, and it's currently at a half a percent, right? So it could quadruple just to get back to the mean, right? And that's a significant amount of capital in a very tiny space. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, yeah. That's, uh, you want to do social commentary or, or to, just to wrap it up? So I was bored earlier this week and in a random moment of fuck it, right? I turned on Joe Biden's speech about, you know, a quarter of the way through. And I couldn't help myself. I got on the Twitter and and, and I figured, let me just live tweet this thing, right? <laughs> Look, Joe was smoking this speech. Now, <laughs> let me be absolutely clear. I have no dog in the fight. I don't like either party. I, I I think there's exceptions on both sides. But for the most part, they're all lying and they're all just counterfeiting money. And they're all just, you know, in special interest pockets. And look, if you can get yourself a lobbyist, you can do very well. Being a member of either party, if you can't, you're probably getting screwed by both and don't even know it, right? Um but but I'm watching the speech, and and he was smoking this. That he was clear. He was laughing. He was making fun of people. He he got I don't know how many bipart. I didn't I didn't know like there was bipartisan applause anymore. I thought that like ended when Obama became president, right? I saw several moments where Republicans and Democrats were up uh, applauding. So for a guy that's supposed to die any day now, I thought he did really <laughs> really well. But there was a moment. There was a moment halfway through. Where I'm like, I had had a drink and I was like, is he fucking trolling everybody or, or, or is he serious? Because he, 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 of course, um, was introducing Brandon Say, um, who's the gentleman that had disarmed the, the, the gunman in a mass shooting last month in California. And so when he says, I want to introduce Brandon, I couldn't help but just start laughing my ass off, like literally out loud. Right. And, and I'm sitting there and I think I tweeted is Joe trying to incite yeah. a let's go Brandon chat? Because the Republicans were so disrespectful during the speech. They were yelling Marjorie Taylor Greene and her her uh, Cruella outfit was uh, yelling that he was a liar. Um, they were yelling that, you know, the fentanyl crisis was his fault. 
for his failure to secure the border. And look, how do you feel about any of these things? Man, there should be some decorum and there should be a little bit of civility in, in, in a state of the union speech. And I think we're so far removed from that, that it speaks to where we are again in our political process. But um, I had a chuckle when he said, I want to introduce Brandon. In my mind, I was like, are the fucking Republicans going to get up and start going, let's go, Brandon. Sure. <laughs> let's go, Brandon. And then it did happen. And then I said, all right, let me calm my eyes down. But that, that was that. I, I caught the speech. I thought it was a good one. Of course, you know, some good points. There were some lies like there always is. Yep. Um, but 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 look, you know, he he talked about police accountability. And, and, and we've talked about this a lot here. And he talked about retraining police officers and hiring hiring better ones and paying them more. And, you know, he 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 made a valid argument for at the very least having that dialogue in a way that even Republicans were applauding, applauding. There was applause from Republicans on the issue. And I think it's because he didn't get up there and just pander to all the victims of police abuse. He actually started by saying, look, we know that being an officer is hard. We know that, you know, a lot of officers are very good people. But this has got to stop. This is way too often. And I thought it was balanced. I thought it was nuanced. I thought it was a great way to further that dialogue. I was encouraged by that. And then, you know, the rest of it is just kind of like, you know, the, 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 the dog and pony show, right? You just kind of look at it and, and you have to laugh because it's half truths with half lies. And most of this stuff will never come to pass. And the only thing that they're going to agree on is increasing the debt ceiling because that's what, the, what they agree on every year. Um, and yeah, and then, then, you know, we'll have a new political cycle coming up here soon that I'm not too hopeful about. But hell of a speech and good job, Joe. I thought he did great. It was quite entertaining. If you had your popcorn, you could have had a hell of a time. Lots of uh, finger pointing and shouting of, of liar by some uh, Congress people. Um, I wish he would have had, uh, asked for the ending of qualified immunity as it relates uh, specifically Agreed. to the police. But uh, understand how you got to tiptoe around that issue. Did enjoy how he roped uh, in the other side on... Uh, Medicare and Social Security. Getting, so good. Getting them to say, you know, that they, they, they had no intentions to not say, but just by their reactions to what he was saying, imply that they weren't going to touch Social Security and Medicare. And so, he, you know, he ended up saying, well, we're good. We're all in agreement that we're not going to touch Social Security or Medicare, which, of course, they're going to try to go after in the, in the budget fights. Uh, and he's going to hold it against them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to play the clip. Um, but thoroughly entertaining. I enjoy watching. I enjoy reading the tweets. I enjoy you know, <laughs> reading the tweets from both sides, right? And, and and how simplistic they make it seem with their hundred and however many characters they can put in a tweet, right? Like you said about the fentanyl or the immigration. And this is Joe Biden's fault. And it's like, well, okay. Um, but there's probably more nuance to it than you could put in a single tweet flaming somebody. <laughs> so I view it as a dog and pony show for sure. But uh, it was entertaining. I like it. Uh, what are we watching for this week? Everybody knows what I'm watching for. I think we got results from Patriot coming in the next seven days from CV13. Look, if you look at the lithium, uh, spodumene bearing pegmatites, and you look at the widths that have been reported on the website, you know you're going to get a lot of 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 meter hits of what I hope is some damn good lithium mineralization. And look, I was looking at a map the other day. Um, Pete, actually, Pete on Twitter and on CEO.ca does a really good job of putting together all the publicly disclosed info. And it looks like a 1,250 meter trend of if, if there's mineralization and it looks like they've hit on every hole, it looks like they've already outlined 1,250 meters of, of, of this new CB13 trend. Again, if you're getting 15, 25 meter, 35 meter, 40 meter hits of 1% and above, and you've already outlined 
1.3 kilometers, 1.350 meters of this stuff, that's adding tonnage really, really quick. And we're not even talking about the stuff going on in the east where they've now confirmed there's four rigs drilling out the eastern extension of what they now call the Nova Zone, which is this freakishly high-grade zone that's returning some of the most spectacular drill results I think any lithium company has ever produced. So I'm excited for those results, and I think we're going to get weekly news flow um, on, on on the results side from here on in. And, of course, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with the rumors and, and you know, kind of confirmed now that if somebody wants 19.9% of it, I think it's going to move some of the bigger companies to um, pay attention and maybe get in there. And I, I think it's going to be Boise's Bay 2.0 here again. Mm. Get out your shoe. That's it. Uh, I continue to watch the broader markets. Uh, again, I think that we're still in a bear market. Uh, I mentioned those, um, you know, short-term uh, expiring options recently that, you know, now a lot of other people are writing about. There's been articles in the Wall Street Journal, articles in the Financial Times. I was reading something this week that said those short dated one and two day options were responsible for as much as like 75 percent of the, hmm. the notional value of options traded on, on a given day. Um, and just to ex- further explain that, right, that sort of begets buying and they're sort of, you know, writing these calls, uh, getting the market to that price, which creates for further buying in the market. And that's the reason this the market has been able to get above its trend line and then suck people so deeply into uh, what at least to me is a, is a clear bear market rally. Um, you know, I've inverted yield curve. I already mentioned recession yep. is, is going to come to pass. That's not necessarily in the next week. Uh, but we so getting all bulled up on gold is is what I should say. And I, I've talked myself into it. I think that um, you know it, it's got a it's got a good shot of going much higher. It's got all the narratives going for it: the geopolitical instability, the Ukraine, Russia, China. Uh, but you're going to have a debt limit fight that's going to uh, potentially give gold a tailwind. You're going to have a recession that's going to potentially give gold a tailwind. You've got uh, long-term bond yields uh, softening, which is going to potentially give gold a tailwind. Um, and you've got a pullback at the same time in gold, right? It ran to 1900 and pulled back. I think to answer your question about the next week, I think it's don't waste this pullback in gold is is what I'm is what I'm trying not to do. Coiled spring and love myself some good tailwinds. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was the 205th episode of our weekly therapy session we call Investing in Bizarro World. Supposed to always remind you to go ahead and go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to make sure that you're getting all of our updates and market commentary straight to your inbox, Mr. Hodge. Words of wisdom. Especially if you or anyone you know would potentially be interested in private placements. It's become a specialty of ours, and um, it's, it's a relatively niche thing, and, and I like to, to think or say we, we do it well. So by all means, uh, reach out. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.